The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, and two against three. A father will be divided against his son, and a son against his father a mother against her daughter, and a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. On August the 6th, We celebrated a number of things. By way of recent history and ancient history. Pardon me, August the 7th. On that date, in the year 258, Pope Sixtus II and four of his deacons were martyred in Rome. They were arrested while celebrating Mass. So many of the early martyrs were arrested just for that reason. If they had stayed home and remained quiet, nothing would have happened. They became public figures by attending the Eucharist, as we are. Here's what St. Cyprian said in a writing about them, in a letter. The true state of affairs is this. Valerian has issued an edict to the Senate to the effect that bishops, priests, and deacons shall suffer the death penalty without delay. Senators, distinguished men, and members of the equestrian class are to be deprived of their rank and property. And if, after forfeiting their wealth and privileges, they still persist in professing Christianity, they too are to be sentenced to death. Ladies of the upper classes are to be deprived of their property and exiled. In the case of members of the imperial staff, any who have either previously confessed or do now confess to being Christians shall have their property confiscated and shall be assigned as prisoners to the imperial estates. Different world, isn't it? Not the world we know. In fact, it might seem rather strange to our world that people would want to die for such a thing at all. Jeremiah, thrown into a cistern, into the mud, just for doing what God told him to do. Well, he complained to God, remember? He complained to God for doing that to him. But he remained faithful. The letter to the Hebrews, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Actually, most of us haven't resisted to the point of doing much. 
it seems like a rather easy world, and besides which, we don't want to take it too seriously. The faith, that is. The fullness of the faith. Not just some idea of Christianity, but the fullness of faith as the Church brings it to us. Our Lord is very direct in today's gospel about that. It's not a pleasant gospel. I have come to set the earth on fire. How I wish it were already blazing. There are two qualities, as we know, to fire. Light and heat. It seems that we have the light. The world has the heat. We have the truth. The world seems to have the zeal. Our Lord speaks about setting fire on earth. How? Through his suffering and death. And how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized. The cross. How great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Those last words from the cross. Consumatum est. It is accomplished. It is finished. It is completed. But now he says something that we find difficult. Do you think I have come to establish peace on earth? He promised peace on earth at his birth. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. What does he mean? I tell you, not peace, but rather division. Why? Because faith in him and in his church determines everything. As I said, it's easy to have a vague faith in our Lord. But when our faith becomes specific, then it can become difficult especially today, uh, in the world in which we live. when we can be easily perceived as the enemy because we won't compromise on what God has revealed. Remember, there can't be two truths. The fullness of the truth must exist somewhere. Our Lord promised that it would. And there can't be two because if there are, there's no truth at all. And the fullness of the truth can't exist in two places, or there isn't. Now, our Lord promised us that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. She's had to live through many difficult times, that early church with St. Sixtus and his companions, and then just four days later, St. Lawrence, who, remember, was roasted on a gridiron, and so on through history, sometimes being dominant, sometimes not so. But our commitment to that will determine everything else that we become. Our entire lives depend upon it. Our friend C.S. Lewis had a remark about Christianity that applies also to the church. He said, if Christianity is false, it is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it can never be is moderately important. It is or it isn't, and nothing else matters in the end except that because all love is determined by that. I've said that many times. The church has always been the bulwark of the truth, as St. Paul called her, the church. After all, she, she composed the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. She is the one who declared it to be the New Testament. Um, and she is the bulwark of the truth as the scriptures give witness to her. So, It isn't moderately important. If our love is informed by truth, it will become perverse and twisted. We've seen that so constantly in our world. The word love, as I've said many times, is used in so many different ways, um, and not at all in the way the gospel means it, because there isn't the truth behind it. And truth can sometimes be very painful. 
And people would say, well, let's compromise on that. No. If I love you, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to remain faithful to what I know to be true, as Jeremiah did, as the martyrs did. Whatever it might cost me, however difficult it might be, and the time will come when it is. Maybe a matter of friendship, as our Lord said, it could be right in the family. I remember when I was when I announced I was becoming a Catholic, I was only in my freshman year of high school, and I came into the church the summer before my junior year. My family was furious and did everything they could to talk me out of it, and in pleasant ways to threaten me out of it. Uh, but there are certain things you know you cannot change and cannot compromise. And whatever it was, I was going to stick to it. And eventually, they, I won't say that they gave in, um, but they allowed me to do what I was going to do one way or the other anyway. Uh, it was the beginning of the greatest adventure of my life, and I can't imagine my life without it. Perhaps you can say the same thing. Uh, but you've had to make sacrifices too, to learn things, to make great changes in your life. And of course it's a, it's a, a life of constant conversion. I remember talking to a young lady once, I forget exactly what she was, a former Christian, and I said, you need to keep on moving. She said, no, I found Jesus and I'm exactly where I ought to be, everything's just fine. I said, if that's the case, you have not found Jesus Christ because he's never comfortable and you're never where you're supposed to be. There's always the next step to take. And we always have to be open to that next step that comes to us through grace so that if God could take a human nature, come into the world to suffer and die on a cross, rise from the dead, to give us himself in the sacraments, particularly in the Eucharist, to give us his flesh and blood, what's more important? Everything else in my life, your marriage, your single life, my religious life, depends upon that and upon that grace. Without that, I will always be less than I was meant to be, and my relationships will always be less than they were meant to be, too. So, our Lord tells us, whatever it means, whatever it takes, even if it sometimes separates us from those we love, you have to remain faithful to me and to what I have given to you and to the fullness of what I have given to you. Not just part of it, not just sort of believing in me, but all that I have given Again, whatever that might mean. You remember a poem, perhaps, by Teddard Kennedy, who was an um, Anglican chaplain during the First World War. And in that poem, if you remember it, he compared our Lord coming to Golgotha and our Lord going to the modern British city of Birmingham. And he said, when Jesus came to Golgotha, they nailed him to a tree. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep. For those were crude and cruel days, and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Birmingham, they only passed him by. They would not hurt a hair of him. They only let him die. For men had grown more tender, they would not cause him pain. They only just walked down the street and left him in the rain. And so it rained, a winter rain, that drenched him through and through. And when all the crowds had left the street without a soul to see, 
Then Jesus crouched against a wall and sighed for Calvary. It was easier to bear the hatred of his creatures than it was their apathy. As I said, we have the light. The world should seem to have the heat. But the heat should be ours, too, in the very best sense of that word. The heat of a love that goes beyond all other things and transforms the world by shocking it. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the love of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always be courageous in living their faith, courageous particularly in the love they show. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own and for our politicians, that they may come to know the fullness of truth that comes through Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For those who are sick and suffering and dying, that they may know that in their suffering they are united to the Lord in proclaiming that kingdom. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have rejected the faith, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For a greater respect for human life, for laws that will protect it, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will have the courage and the faith to proclaim the kingdom of God in difficult times, for a greater reverence for the heroism of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, Having spent time sitting in the presence of the, uh, the Eucharistic Lord, they may then courageously give their lives for the sake of that kingdom. We pray to the Lord. Lord for all those working on our building project, that they will remain safe. We pray to the Lord. Lord for the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, especially those who have died recently in acts of violence. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed And for all of us here, that our lives will be so transformed by the faith that we profess We will be willing uh, to sacrifice all things for the sake of that kingdom and for those we love. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We now join our prayers to those of the Queen of Martyrs as we sing. (laughs) 